And now, before we officially begin this week's episode of the Boochcast, I have something very important that I need to discuss with all of you here at the Boochcast Nation. As you know, for many years now, I have been affiliated with a wrestling company called Universal Championship Wrestling. And the company is run by a gentleman by the name of Ronnie Gossett. I've known Ronnie for close to seven years now, and and anyone who knows Ronnie like I do knows what a bright light he brings with him everywhere he goes. Sadly, his declining health has added to the intense depression that he's fought since losing his daughters in 2017. Ronnie, in addition to being a wrestling promoter, also uses his musical gifts to spread joy to everyone around him and invests in his community every time he has the opportunity. Ron's health has begun to severely affect his quality of life and his ability to function independently. After being hospitalized, he has been advised by doctors that he doesn't have the one to two years it would take to get his health under control. However, there is a solution. Ron can get through this physical trial and thrive if he is able to raise the funds for a life-saving surgery. There is so much hope for his life, there is so much joy left for Ronnie to spread, and there are so many more fun nights he gets to create. Fighting diabetes that is out of control, coupled with blood flow issues and coronary heart disease, has brought intense pain to Ronnie's life daily and made even the most simple tasks incredibly difficult. He is losing the ability to work and provide for himself. Ron has been involved in the professional wrestling industry as a wrestler and a promoter for over 20 years with events that entertain many and also makes a living traveling throughout Georgia and South Carolina, facilitating karaoke and using his singing talent to entertain and inspire others. Ronnie will wear the mask of I'm okay forever and is the last person to ask for help. Trust me, I know this from experience. I love Ronnie to death, but he is a stubborn bastard, and he will never ask for help. He has needed friends to help him get to and from events in recent weeks, but struggles with shame, embarrassment, and believing that no one cares about him. His life matters, and it can be saved. Any amount helps. A surgery will save his life and give him the opportunity to live many more years blessing the lives of others, even reconnecting with his children in the future. And that is why I'm encouraging everyone to go to the GoFundMe page that we have on our Boochcast Facebook page and donate whatever amount you can to help him raise the money he needs for this life-saving surgery. The goal is to raise $15,000. Now, as I mentioned before, every little bit helps. So you're not required, obviously, to donate thousands of dollars if you don't have that kind of money to throw around. But every little bit that you can give helps. And just to show how serious I am about this, I personally, Vinny Bucci, have donated $50 to the GoFundMe campaign. And I'm doing it for two reasons. One, because I consider Ronnie a dear friend in addition to a coworker, and I desperately want him to get better. But the other reason is to show all of you, the Boochcast Nation, that I always practice what I preach. And the one thing that I always preach to you guys is that I never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, ask any of you to donate money to any cause that I myself 
am not willing to donate to. So go to GoFundMe.com slash Saving Ron's Life. I will have links to this on the Boochcast Facebook and Twitter page for you guys to easily access and donate whatever amount you can. Every little bit helps no matter what it is. Don't feel like if you're donating a small amount, you're not contributing. You are helping us to reach this goal. Let's help Ronnie get back on his feet and get him the life-saving surgery he needs to thrive and provide and live a long and happy life. I've tried, 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 and I've tried even more. I've cried, 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 and I can't recall what for. I've pressed, I've pushed, I've yelled, I've begged, hoped in some success. The inevitable fact is that it never will impress. I've more fucks to give, my fucks have all run dry. I've tried to go fuck shopping, but there's no fucks left to buy. I've got no fucks to give, the no more fucks I've tried to get. I'm over my fuck budget, and I'm now in fucking debt. Well, I've strived, strived, strived to get everything done. Jumped up, I've laughed, alas, no avail. I've run that like a moron to one he quiver curly fell. No more fucks to give, my fuck fuse has just blown. Been hunting for my fucks all day, but they've up been fucked up home. I've no more fucks to give, my fuck rations have depleted. I've rallied my fuck army, but it's been fucking
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW. And as you guys know, I am not the usual person here to do this. I'm usually anywhere else but here at this very moment. But unfortunately, uh, one of your AEW correspondents, one of the main correspondent, uh, Elvis Zelensky, is not here. He is on vacation in Myrtle Beach. So once again, The Booch has to step in and be part of of the AEW conversation. It's like, dear help me. It's like, I don't want to, but I must. You guys need the recap. Someone has to fill the void. And once again, it has to be me. But the best part is, I'm not alone in this. I am being joined by the other AEW correspondent, talented singer-songwriter, great friend of mine, great mind for wrestling. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back, for the first time in a long time, the one and only, Mr. Desmond Dagenhart. I just want to point out real quick, Vinny is over here bitching about doing his own show. <laughs> God forbid he has to pull some legwork on his own goddamn show. I mean, I, I've joked about it before because of how my phone popped up and I sent you that screenshot that one time when it did this. But this really is becoming the bitch cast. Pretty much. I mean, it's, I, it's AEW, man. I turned this over to you guys for a reason. So when I have to step in, it's like, ah, oh, crap. But I do it. I do it. You know, I I muscle my way through. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the, of course, we are have the AEW uh, Dynamite recap here. And, of course, tomorrow is Double or Nothing. We will be talking about that as well. And I will be there for that because I've always... I said when we started this whole new format thing, with these that the exception of the pay-per-views, I would not be part of Dynamite. So I knew going in, I would be part of the Double or Nothing recap. I expected it. I would not expect to do the amount of Dynamite episode recaps that I have done. But, either way, we're going to talk about about it. So we're going to jump in here to Dynamite with our first official match of the evening. We have Darby Allen with Sting versus Cesar Bononi. I am, I, I, we all know at this point that I'm a fan of Darby Allen and Vinny is not because Vinny's a little bitch. Um, but you know, I have my reasons. It's not, the, oh, I'm a little bitch. There's, there's more to it than that. Okay. Yeah, you're right. He's a big bitch. It's better. <laughs> <laughs> but uh this to me was once again this is exactly the style of match that uh that works for Darby Allen. He's not dominating. He's not meant to dominate. He's a small guy. He knows he's a small guy. He sells it like he's a small guy and he outlasts him. He is the I made this comment watching it with Vinny actually. He is this generation's version of young Jeff Hardy. Yeah, he takes a few too many risks. He doesn't land the way you probably should to protect yourself. Jeff Hardy didn't either. He learned that lesson later in life. Darby will as well. But he does the same concept. He gets his ass beaten half the match, outlasts his opponent, lets them wear themselves down, and comes in for the victory at the end. And to me, if you're going to have a small guy win, that's the way you do it. Yeah. Um, and I know the only reason he won this match was because they want to build up for Double or Nothing, because they have the match with uh, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page, but I, I, I tried to get into this match, but it just wasn't for me. I tried. I really, really tried. Uh, and I will admit, there were some parts where I was like, okay, this is this is kind of good, but it's just, it, it. nothing Darby Allen does is believable to me. It might be believable to you, it might be believable to other people, but I'm not seeing what y'all are seeing. I'm just not. I'm not impressed with Darby Allen. I see a guy who is going to end up like the Dynamite Kid in a wheelchair getting pushed around by somebody. It's funny because he didn't take any chances in this match at all. That was what impressed me. Like I, mean, I said, that was the one thing I will admit. I was yeah, impressed. He, he didn't try to kill himself He hit time. the coffin drop. The coffin drop is actually a pretty safe move nine times out of ten. He doesn't have to do any flips. There's no crazy positioning. He literally just falls back on somebody. Yeah, that's assuming. the. And, of course, we know the person there is going to catch them because uh, that's pretty much all they do is go 
yay and catch. But, so, you got a point there. But, still, it's just, it, it wasn't for me. I tried getting into this match, but I'm just like, nothing in this match that happened was believable. There was no believability for me. And so, but if you're a Darby Allen fan, this is right up your alley. That's all I'm going to say about that. So, of course, after the match, Al Darby Allen grabs a microphone and says they aren't going to wait to get jumped from behind and dare Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page to come out. Page and Sky walk onto the stage and Sky says they aren't fighting Sting and Allen for free as the fans chant that they suck. Sky says when they beat them on pay-per-view, everyone will see and it will be the end of one legend and the beginning of two more. And then the wingmen attack Sting and Allen and then Sky and Paige run out and help them beat Sting and Allen down. They wrap a chair around Sting's ankle but the Dark Order runs out and the fans absolutely lose their minds as Paige and Sky retreat. Sting fist bumps all the members of the Dark Order afterward. This was exactly, in my opinion, what it needed to be. Uh, they come in, they get their shots on on Sting and Darby. It preps up the uh, the pay per view match. 100% exactly what they needed to do in this moment for this spot. It's pushing the it push the, it pushes the money. It's exactly what it's supposed to be. Yes. And I will say Scorpio Sky is great on the mic. I loved his promo. Thought it was very well done. Uh, Darby did a typical one-on-one babyface promo. But I did, en I, I did enjoy Scorpio Sky immensely. Uh, the Dark Order, I maybe I missed something. I don't know what the hell they're doing out here. That didn't make sense. They're but... pretty much saving all the good guys here recently. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, they're, it's like they're trying to insert them into every storyline somewhere. It's oh, they're, like, they're not even part of the storyline. They're just, oh, these guys shouldn't be getting attacked. We're going to protect them. That's pretty much what the Dark Order's doing. So they're basically becoming, like, a, a modern version of the APA? Is that, without, is that they're not getting paid for the services? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so it's like, yeah, we'll we'll save your ass pro bono. They're, 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 they are the superheroes. You know, we're, we're going to save the world, but you can't know who we are, so we can't get paid. Exactly. Even though we know exactly who they are because we see them on TV every week. <laughs> but anyway, after this, Paul White comes out and says, there'll be no shenanigans for the weigh-in tonight. He introduces Anthony Agogo, who comes out alongside the factory. QT Marshall berates the fans. They come down to the ring, and White says, the people didn't pay money to come out and hear Marshall run his mouth. I also love when he said to Agogo, don't eyeball me, son. Maybe the last thing you do. Which, I enjoyed that immensely. I love the fact that Paul White is still trying to establish, look, I'm not an active wrestler, but I'm still a giant, and I can still whoop your ass. <laughs> so, I like that. And and, and, the, and the fact that Paul White is so old school, he knows, always protect the character. And I like that. So, I, I love that idea. I also love seeing Paul White on Dynamite. Yeah, he's he's not trying to pretend that he's uh, washed up. Yeah. He's not. He's like, I'm, I'm getting up there, but I ain't old, motherfucker. <laughs> and even if he is, he's seven foot. He's in the best shape he's ever been in at his age. Like, literally, he was in better shape now than he was in the younger years. Oh yeah, but he openly admits now that he wasn't trying in the younger years. Before he got that surgery to fix his pituitary issue, he was like, he didn't work out at all. He just naturally gifted then Oh, now my pituitary shit's taken care of, and now I actually have to work out to be in shape. Fuck. <laughs> credit to him, he did it. So now he introduces uh, the American Cody Rhodes, the American Dream. Uh, as we all know, he's the American Nightmare, but I gotta have to fill some of this stuff in because there was no AW recap last week. Cody Rhodes said for one night only, he will refer to himself as the American Dream for this feud with Anthony Agogo, who is from Britain. And I don't know, Des, you watch AEW every week. Maybe you can explain something to me. Why? What, what does being American have to do against Britain? Is Anthony Gogo saying anti-American shit? Or... Because last I checked, we weren't feuding with Britain, like, country-wise. Um, well, I mean, let's be realistic here. The Brits are a little high on themselves, just like Americans are a little bit high on themselves. Well, yeah. This is a... This is an ego versus ego thing, more than anything. 
Okay, fair. That's fair. That's a fair. That's a fair assessment. That's a very fair assessment. So it's like they don't hate each other. They're just egotistical. Yeah, that that goes. Okay, that works. So Cody comes out. He comes down with a bunch of his students from the Nightmare Factory and the members of the Nightmare Family. And then, and he had the red shirt with the red jacket on, which uh, Desmond and I kind of pointed this out, or I pointed out, and he we brought mentioned the fact that one of the pads on there says "Eat Clean, Bro." What? I, I don't. First of all, don't say "bro." It puts you in the riddle category, and you don't want to be there. Um. Also, it says the "Eat Clean" thing. It's like it's funny because Vinny still thinks that. Riddle's not over. I still think he's garbage. But anyway, my, that's, that's a WWE story for another day. My point is, um, so he has the eat clean thing because I'm like, he's very, he's, and, I, and I got that because, you know, Cody is very good friends with DDP, which is why I was shocked that DDP didn't come out for this. Like, usually if Cody has his entourage with him, DDP's normally in the entourage. Granted, he, he's not really wrestling anymore. I think he established that the match he had on Dynamite is going to be his last one, but he's still very much close to Cody. So I thought he'd be out there, but usually DDP. DDP is really big on like eating clean and you know non-GMO food and you know stuff that was like naturally grown. He's he's very much an organic kind of guy. He's that's very much a big part of his food plan when you become part of DDP Yoga and do stuff like that. Meanwhile, I make fun of him for it because nobody they these people who are like no GMOs don't know what fucking GMOs are. Yeah, I, you had yeah apparently you said that everything basically has GMO in it. Yeah, pretty much it does. Uh, GMO stands for genetically modified organism. Genetically modifi- modification doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I'm going to go use science and and uh, and twist the DNA in this. No, that's insane genetics. Uh, and it does sometimes happen, and th- there are chemicals that can do stuff like that. But that's not the only limitation. Like when we special breed, crossbreed different types of corn to get the kind of corn we've got now, which is the only kind of corn you can get anymore. That's a GMO. So people don't understand that, oh, all this crossbreeding that we've done, that's GMOs. You can't get anything that's not genetically modified one way or another. It's impossible. Not because uh, they're adding a bunch of chemicals to everything, but because modifications aren't just because of chemicals being added. So you can have, like, an organic modification is what you're saying. You can have a natural, uh, a semi-natural modification, yes. Okay, yeah, because he brought that up, and I thought that was very interesting. That's why I wanted you to say it on the show. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, so now, um, so he comes out. Cody's sister is also with them. I was wondering who that girl was. Um, and then, of course, Cody has some people in there, and he's doing, like, the bro shakes and everything, and I'm like... Wow, Cody's trying to be street. Okay. Um, I mean, he's got some street cred. I don't know how much, but he gets on the scale, and Cody weighs in at 218 pounds, and fireworks start going off nearby the stadium. Okay. Uh, Agogo is wearing boxes with the British flag on it, resulting in an Austin Powers chant. Which I didn't even. Did you catch the Austin Powers chant? I did not I couldn't, catch the Austin Powers chant. Yeah, I couldn't hear it, so I'm, I'm, that's very intriguing. But then he weighs in at 219 pounds. So QT Marshall brides about Agogo being bigger than Cody and berates the crowd for chanting for him. Dustin Rose goes after QT Marshall in the factory, bail in the factory, bailing to the outside. So basically, he brags about Cody being one pound, about Anthony being one pound heavier than Cody. Than, uh, than Cody, so he's basically saying, I'm, you know, heavier, which means I'm going to be stronger than you, and I'm going to beat your ass. And Big Show's and Big Show's going crazy, and then JR says, if you think being one pound heavier gives you an advantage, I feel sorry for you. Like, I laughed at that when he said that. That was very well said. And then Cody grabs a mic and tell, you know, puts over Big Show and tells everybody to enjoy the rest of the show, and that's kind of ends the segment. 
Uh, uh, I mean, I get where they were going with it. Uh, they did the heel thing where they they berated everybody and berated the legend, and then Cody did the face thing where he built up the legend and the uh, and all and the whole segment itself was to say, oh look, we're gonna be having a fight on Sunday. So yeah, I do want to say I loved the weigh-in because this reminds me of when I wrestled in high school, how how weigh-ins are done. And Cody's obviously a former high school wrestler. He's a state champion from Lasseter High School. And I actually watched on TV the day he won the state championship because it aired on TV. I actually watched it, and you can actually see Diamond Dallas Page and Dusty Rhodes sitting there in the crowd. Like, DDP got to sit down and be in uh, Cody's corner for the match because Cody wanted DDP there. Um, And what I loved about it was the fact that they stripped down to their boxers. Because that is how a real weigh-in is done. I, I hate people that do weigh-ins or weigh, or weigh themselves and you still have clothes on. F- fuck that. The clothes add more weight. In order to get an accurate weight results, you have to be in your underwear or nothing. And I know this because when I wrestled in high school, that's how we all weighed in for matches. I remember in wrestling tournaments being in a big-ass locker room with kids in their underwear lined up single file to step on the scale and make sure you are weighed for your matches. And if you were like point four, point couple ounces over, some kids would drop to their underwear, cup the goods, and step on the scale and to make sure to get that extra ounces off. So that is an accurate way to weigh yourself, and I like that because it made it look authentic and it made it look sports-based. Which some that AEW likes to claim they are, but has not very often displayed that they are. So to see that, I loved it. It's authenticity. It was something that was real. It made me believe this is a real weigh-in. And they're doing this properly. And the promo from QT Marshall was on point. Cody, I even if he didn't trash talk, I felt like he should have said something along the lines of, we're going to have a fight this Sunday, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I also didn't, like, enjoy the rest of the show. That bothered me. And the reason it bothered me is because, look, I know we all know that wrestling is a show. We talk about it all the time, and we explain it to people who don't necessarily get it. But when you're in the ring on TV, unless you're the owner of the company or you're doing some type of promo segment for a sponsor, you don't say show. Like, you save that for stuff like like if Vince McMahon is coming out to say something. I mean, he's on AEW, but I'm using an example. When Vince McMahon says on WWE, or when they would do a moment with, like, like Susan G. Komen, when they would say, hey, we're going to take a moment, here's the money we're donating to Susan G. Komen, or here's our sponsor, Susan G. Komen, for breast cancer awareness. That's when you can kind of break that fourth wall, because like a commercial spot. I think, here's a problem with this, with your, what you're saying here. You're, you're, you're assuming sh- that all shows, that all shows are fake. They're not. Any kind of performance at all, whether it's athletics, whether it's... Uh, a drama, whether it's anything, is still a show. You're paying to see something. They're showing you something. You're misinterpreting the term. So when he said, enjoy the rest of the show, there's more matches to see. There's more interviews to see. We're, we still got more to show you. It's still a show. Okay, I can buy that. I still I still feel like, say like the rest of the night, the rest of the event, the rest of the matches, like try to stay more on the wrestling as much as possible when you're in a wrestling segment or moment. You know, don't try to take people out of it. That's how I feel. And... On that note, we move on to... We see a video package highlighting the feud between the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle. And we'll talk more about that. Then we cut to the backstage area with Christian Cage and Will Hobbs are fighting. Hobbs bloodies Christian's nose, but Christian manages to hit Hobbs with something. And then Spears 
hits him into some boxes as security separates them. I don't know. I, I know we kind of saw this fight. It looked kind of awkward. I think you were, even you were saying, like, you know, Christian should have did something different. Well, my big thing with this, it, uh, it was less about Christian. Because, uh, I mean, it was what it was. It was, it was a real quick backstreet's brawl that got broken up. My issue, and, and I know that they're the heels, and they're supposed to kick people's ass backstage. But when you have somebody who's that dominant, it's as Hobbs is supposed to be. Oh yeah, I'm so certain I could beat you one-on-one. -on -one. And I get in the match there's going to be some shenanigans. I'm 100% with that. But I think I'm so dominant. But I'm going to whoop your ass before the match to make sure. That makes, to me, it takes away from the character. Yeah. I get, and yeah, and I can see that normally. But you also have to understand that as a heel, they try to take whatever advantage they can get regardless. I get Which is why I said during the match, I can see some shenanigans, right? Yeah. But, like, the small guy, uh, it's, it's Taz's son, right? Yeah, I think What's his, his name is Hook. Hook. Hook? Yeah. If he was the one going against Christian, I would 100% back this move. Because he's a smaller dude, okay? okay. But for Hobbs, I don't think it, would, it makes sense. Okay. What about Ricky Starks? Would it work, make sense for him? Ricky Starks, I, it would be more believable. Because Ricky Starks is more about is more about the ta showmanship and the talent, and less about power. So I, I, I'd be okay with it with Starks. Okay. But I think with Hobbs, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Yeah. And with Cage, it wouldn't make sense either. Right. Well, with Cage is kind of going on his own little story turn anyway. Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about in general. Right, right. Yeah, same, same Based same on concept. what you're saying, yeah. Same concept. Talking about the concept, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and also I felt like Christian, like, just kind of throws him into the cage and kind of walks away like it's over. I'm like, dude, he's... If, I, if I'm in a fight with somebody, the fight's not done till so someone's hand. on the floor. Right. <laughs> Even if you're not unconscious, if you're at least on the floor and I can get away, that's different. But I think I think the concept here was he threw him into it and he was trying to get a step away to get a breather. Okay. And like he was getting attacked and then he revert he he got his way in there. He's like, yeah, fuck. Throws him in there and he needed a breather. Yeah, but still, the guy's still on his feet. It's not. It's kind of hard to take a breather when someone's on their feet. No, but unless you, you like, put little, you put a little separation, a little bit of distance between you and them. Oh yeah, because I remember you screaming like, like, dude, it's a fight. Kick him in the balls. Well, yeah, that was when he was being grappled up and he was getting his ass whooped. I'm like, dude, this ain't a match. You don't have to fight clean here. <laughs> exactly. It's like, that's not going to be seen as a heel move. It's seen as, I got to get the fuck out of here. Now, if you kick him in the balls and run, that's different. But if you kick him in the balls and keep beating his ass, then, yeah, then you're being a dick. But, you know, I can see that point. So, it was it was an awkward confrontation. And then, we move on to the next match of the evening. Dear God, help us all. Uh, we have Hangman Adam Page versus the bitch boy Jelly Geneva with Sunny Kiss. You know, this was a great reunion between Sonny Kiss and Vinny. Uh, <laughs> best, best, best thing about it was it's such a wholesome moment. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it was funny because he said it like, uh, so he's saying like, uh, you know, I, I can't remember exactly what you said, but something like, you know, so, so, so it was an old friend of yours. You, but that camera was on Joey, and I was like, no, what the fuck are you talking about? And then he, but then he pointed at Sonny Kiss, and I went, oh, okay. Asshole. I was wondering, like, what the fuck's he talking about? Like, because because I'm like, I didn't know I didn't meet up with Joey Janela. Then he pointed Sunny Kiss. Then I got the joke. Then I went, oh, he's an asshole. So I got it. Once I got the joke, it was funny. But at first, I was kind of looking at him like, the fuck you talking about? But then we get to this match, and um, I saw uh, basically Adam Page um, carrying a match and doing it very well. Uh, Hangman. Janela sold what he needed to sell. It did exact. This match was what it needed to be. It was a. It was an easy win for Hangman Page before his match at the paper. Yeah. Yes. And even though we had to deal with some leg slapping from Jelly, um, you know, it, it, they somehow managed to make this a decent match, and Adam Page was able to get the victory that he wanted, uh, despite the fact that it was blood coming down his head, which was, I think, a good 
point because it, it, the bleeding there made it seem like you know they made it seem like it was a dangerous match before a pay per view, which is something that doesn't normally happen. Yeah. So um, you know, adding a little bit of blood in a safe manner, like they did in this match, to me makes it better. Yeah. I mean, it I, wasn't like the, it wasn't a major blood fest, but just that little bit to add a little something to it. Yeah. And well, I feel like I don't feel like the blood did much to help the match, but it definitely did much to help what happened after the match. Right. I think the blood was more useful for that. And of course, um, you know, Janela after the match after this match is over, you know, Jelly. And Sonny hit the bricks. You know, Jelly gets his uh, unnecessary moment in the sun, and then pa- and then Taz tells Paige that Cage is going to kick the shit out of him at Double or Nothing, and Cage walks down to the ring. Paige tells Taz to shut the hell up, and he knows what they are planning, and says he knows the rest of Team Taz is about to come out and jump him. Hook comes out of the crowd as Paige says he expects that sort of thing from Taz, but he expected more from Cage. He asks Cage if he needs their help to kick his ass, and wonders if his balls have shrunk all the way up by now. <laughs> Page tells him to leave these asshole, those assholes in the back at the pay-per-view. Cage doesn't need any help, but if he wants him one-on-one, he'll get it. Because who better than Cage? Nobody. Especially Adam Page. This was exactly what I've been looking for. Who else is gonna pull uh, is gonna pull Cage away from Team Taz? Adam Page did this beautifully. It was a perfect promo. He manned up, he stood up, he called out, he called out all of Team Taz. And threw that shit in Cage's face, poking it at, uh, at Cage's pride. And Cage, man, deserves what he's doing. He's doing exactly what he needs to. He's step in. I think this is going to eventually lead to him leaving Team Taz because they have they have they have um, made references to that in the past. And this right here could be that point because what I something now this is hypothetical here. I kind of see Team Taz getting involved tomorrow. Uh, uh, on Sunday, and um, I kind of see Cage getting pissed about it. Yeah. And when it does happen, I think this is going to be what really pushes them over the edge. And you can see all the little inklings, especially when when Cage told Sting he respected him mm-hmm. after the fight they had at uh, Revolution. Absolutely. And that was definitely a, a major piece, and now this is becoming it. What I loved about it was Adam Page was talking about, ironically, like Cage's balls shrinking all the way up, which obviously is a steroid joke, but the fact that Page got his back. Like, finally, Page manned up. Like, I've been waiting for this. They've been treating Adam Page like a joke for months. They've been doing this to him. The depressing, the depressing mess, you know. I, and I like the fact that he drinks, but he's drinking because he's miserable, not because he's trying to be, like, a badass. And the whole thing with the Dark Order, like, just, it, it, this is not what Adam Page needs to be doing. Fucking, this is what he needs to be doing. You know, this is, this is, Adam Page is supposed to be the badass. The guy who does cowboy shit. That's what everyone wants to see. They want to see the cowboy shit come back and see a man get his ass whooped. And I believe that's going to happen this Sunday. Adam Page is going to beat Brian Cage and he is going to get himself back into the conversation of who's the best in AEW and who deserves to be a world champion. This is the catapult to getting Adam Page back to where he needs to be. And with what we blatantly saw as capacity fans back in the stands because at Double or Nothing we're getting full capacity and it looked like they were at full capacity at this Dynamite it's time for Adam Page to step up and get what he deserves and on that note we cut to uh, Moxley and Kingston who are shown after burning the Young Bucks shoes Moxley says they are the best team in the world and they aren't even a real team he says they're family and talks about who they grew up together and if they needed to take care of someone together they went to war for each other he says the Bucks are going to have to go to war with them he says the tag are a couple of T-bone steaks 
and they are a bunch of starving pit bulls. Kingston says, while all the other guys in the back are just sitting by saying nothing, while the elite walk around like they own the place, they are sticking up for the underdogs. He says they're going to make them quit as EVPs this Sunday. Yeah, this was, as we all know, a perfect promo from these two men. These guys have been cutting flawless promos for months, if not if not the entire time they've been in fucking AEW. And I really, unlike Vinny, I am a bit of a fan of the Young Bucks. There are bits and pieces of things that I don't care for from them. I'm not, I'm not like they're, I'm not sitting here gonna be calling their praises all night long. But um, this was they 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 did what they needed to to make it feel right that they won the titles. They held the titles for a good time. They've uh you know they've had the fights that they needed to. They defended a few times. I think this right here is when they need to drop the belts. I think giving the belts to Mox and Kingston is exactly what we need. Yeah, um, they're more they're more over. They're more exciting to watch, and they're gonna carry this um, tag team division, I believe. I mean, the only issue they have is the fact that the Bucks have said if they lose the belts, they're gonna break up. And here's the thing: now that the Bucks have the AEW tag team titles as a tag team, what else would be left for them to do? You know, they pretty much held tag team titles in almost every promotion that isn't WWE or Impact Wrestling. And fans, some still like them, others are getting sick of them. And they're more about being EVPs than anything else. So I don't know if they're going to quit as EVPs, but I feel like there's nothing else left for them to do as a tag team. Right now, I think the Bucks need to take this air. And I'm not saying they couldn't win it again at a later date, but they they did what they needed to to raise the uh, value of the tag team championships. And the only way to keep raising it is to give it to another tag team with a lot of passion. And I think Kingston and Mox are the tag team right now to do that. Yeah, I mean, Moxie's not going to go for the AEW world title again anytime soon, nor should he. No, absolutely. He did what he needed to with that with that title. And and Kingston, uh, as much as I love his promos, right now I don't feel like he's ready. Yeah, he definitely will be at some point. I want to see. But in fact, when they drop the tie belts, I want to see Kingston win the world title after that. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not hating on him. I just at this moment in time, with how they've had the build going with him, I don't think that he's ready for a singles title. Yeah. And on that note, we cut to Tony Schiavone, who calls Orange Cassidy out to the ring, but Pac comes out and kicks Schiavone out of the ring. Pac says Orange Cassidy is irrelevant to this match, and the only person that is relevant is the man that will beat Omega, him. Pac taunts Omega and calls him pathetic for ducking and dodging instead of defending his title like a man. Pac dares Omega to come out and face him face to face so they can show everyone what will happen this Sunday. Don Callis appears on the big screen and says that he and Omega want nothing to do with Pac because he's a soulless sociopath. Omega attempts to attack Pac from behind but eats a boot to the gut and then one to the face. The Good Brothers attack Pac but the Lucha Brothers hit the ring and chase them to the back. Omega grabs Pac and is about to hit the one-winged angel when Orange Cassidy walks out and pisses Omega off. Cassidy pulls out an envelope and has For Kenny Omega on it. He opens it and it has the straight up agreement that Callis and Omega gave him last week. OC hits the orange punch on Omega. Cassidy goes to pick up the title but Pac steps on it and then kicks OC and goes for a powerbomb but OC blocks it, hits the orange punch, OC closes the segment by raising the title belt. I like Orange Cassidy, but I don't feel like he's taking this title home to, on Sunday, man. It, it, it would be the, one of the dumbest decisions in the company if he does. See, I, 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 I'm not that, that... I just think right now, I want the title. Well, one, you can't... I, I feel like it's too soon to take the belt from Omega. Uh, with this major uh, storyline they got going right now, I feel like it's too soon to take the belt from Omega. But if they were going to, I really want to see a world title on Pac. 
I do too. I've been a fan of Pac since his NXT days, man. You know, as Adrian fucking Neville. All right. And then I liked him when he was on, when he was just on the main roster as Neville, even though they never booked him right. Yeah, they had him as a cruiserweight champion. He did he did okay with that. Yeah, when they when they took him back to when they took him back and put him in the cruiserweight division, uh, that he did phenomenally. But I but they really dropped the ball with him on the on the main uh, setup. Yeah, I, and, I think there was too many big stars at the time, and he just didn't fit. He just wasn't able to find a spot for him. They, they, what it is is creative sucks, and they don't know how to write shit, you know, because they won't hire me. <laughs> Um, or any of us, for that matter. You know? <laughs> I, get, I, I, I go into the writer's room, they keep kicking me out. <laughs> That's the problem. Like, I get kicked out of every room. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, well, it's, like, be honest, it's, it's, it's because you look too much like JR. We know how they feel about him. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right, fine. I'll, 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 I'll get a wig and be Bruce Pritchard. Will that make y'all happy? <laughs> I can fucking do that. Jesus. Uh, uh, give me a mustache, I'll be Dutch Mantel. That'll make y'all feel better. So, my point is, they, is that... Uh, Pac, to me, would be perfect as AEW World Champion. I've been a fan of Pac since he stepped into AEW. Now, was I a fan of his in WWE? Yes. But what I love him most about him in AEW is that when he became Pac, when he turned heel, he completely changed his in-ring style. He has become more of a brawler than ever before. He's shown that there is more to him than just the spot shit. Well, so when he does it, it's great. I, I feel like he's never been 100% spots, okay? He's never been that. He's always been a combination striker, submission artist, and flyer. And, you know, when he's a face, he does more of the flying. When he's a heel, he does more of the striking. But he's always been that way. When he was when he was going against uh when he was going against uh it was uh Sa- Sammy Zayn in NXT yeah he's yeah you know, he was kind of sort of going a bit of a heel run there he was definitely striking more he was being more of a uh, it wasn't really much of a heel. It wasn't a full heel turn. I'm it not was, saying it was. Yeah, but he was definitely he was on that verge, on that line, of heading yeah, that direction. Like he, like he kind of danced over that line, like way a baby face can a like, little bit, like John Cena did when he went against The Rock. Yeah, that kind of thing, where he kind of like, he stepped up, took a good look at it, but didn't necessarily cross over it. Right. So, but yeah, it's definitely that point. But that's only because they, the Sami Zayn had never won the big one in NXT. Then he finally does, and we know how that turned out. But anyway, um, but yeah. I, in all fairness, I like Sami's current gimmick. I really do. No, I'm not talking about his current gimmick. I'm talking about what happened after he won the NXT title. He held it for like a month, and uh, they gave it to Kevin. Well, in all fairness, it's because they were also wanting to move him up. Yeah, and for a while, that didn't work out Till now. Now, right. he, yeah, they, they finally found a gimmick that worked for him. But my point is, if that is the case, then maybe I'm just now noticing it. But in AEW, I am noticing a whole side to Pac, and I love it. Well, the whole AEW style, here's the thing is, he, he had to do a little bit less of the flying in AEW. He had to. Because there are so many flyers that it, he doesn't stand out that way. Yes. So he went with more of the, he because he was such a great striker. He put more focus on his striking, so he'd stand out a little. That's it was more of a pay attention to the company you're working with, do what you got to do kind of thing. Yeah, and that's what and that's why. So I, I I have no objections to Pac winning this title. In fact, even Elvis, as high as he is on Kenny Omega, he wouldn't mind seeing Pac with the title either. <laughs> Like, there's no objections here. I don't know anybody's objecting to see Pac win the world title. My only issue is I think it's too soon in this current run for Kenny Omega to drop it. Okay, now who do you see down the line that should take it? I know who I want to see. Who, who do you, if, if not Pac, who else? Okay, well, um, I would I'd like to see Christian Cage win it. Eh, okay. I would like, I mean, no, look, I, I think Christian's doing the right thing by staying away from titles right now. 
Okay, I, uh, because he's comes in, he's coming in, he's making a name for himself in AEW, showing that he can still do it. He's got these cool storylines he's doing going on. Yeah, but down the line, I would like to see him have an AEW championship just so he can say he's had a world title in every major company he's worked with. That's another good one. Yeah, that's very true. Um, and he would bring value to that championship, right? And he would. And I'm not. And so it's like, and, and he. Ha- but I do feel like he needs to continue what he's doing and building his name in AEW before doing so. So I'm not like saying, oh, just put it on the. Just put it on the legend. No, there's a reason for it the way it goes. Or potentially, and I know Sting doesn't isn't interested in this really, I would like to see Sting win it. I would too, 100%. Uh, and I 100%. think Sting would be a good person to take it from an authority figure who is currently champion. I think that with how Sting's been in the past, that would be a really cool way for Sting to do things. Exactly. Um, I would like, and people are like, oh, now, but, oh, he just wants the legends to do it. No, yeah, I do like the legends, but uh, I also like people like um uh uh uh, 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 uh oh god it was there it was on the tip of my tongue and then i lost it uh, <laughs> oh oh yeah uh pentagon pentagon yeah i would love to see pentagon take it Pen- uh, uh, oh you know, you know there's so many great stars in AEW with so many different contrasting styles that I could see a lot of them down the line taking the belt from Omega. Yeah. Not not not, as, not necessarily right now, but you know, with the right storylines building up to it, a lot uh, there are a lot of people in AEW I could see taking it for a lot of different reasons. Exactly. And the thing is with Legends is that it's not necessarily like, and I know that De- Desmond, anybody know if you if you listen to the show longer than a day and you know Desmond, you know that he is not just high on Legends. But I will say that in this particular case, it works because not only are, can some of these legends that we're talking about still physically go in a ring, but also because it ups the value of the world championship. And that's why I've always been big on even part-timers who come in, when they go for the universal title, I'm like, give it to them. Because it's it was a new belt, it makes it look good, but here's what it also does. When these guys, the young guy, you're, who's the, whoever the young guy is that you want to make your next big thing, if they take the title from the legend... It ups their resume even higher. It's like, yeah, you won the world title. Like, who'd you beat to win the world title? Uh, Orange Cassidy. Okay, who'd you beat to win the world title? Sting. Who's the guy you're going to pay the most attention to? The guy who beat Sting or the guy who beat Pockets? Sting. And look, this is coming from an Orange Cassidy fan. I'm with you, 100%. Now, my big thing is, if you give it to a legend... They need to be there every fucking week. And they don't, they don't need to be in a match every week. Yeah. But they need to put in the work. They need to show up. They need to do segments. They need to fucking be there and show me that they are wanting to be in this company. And with AEW, that's possible because they don't travel often. So it's easier for the legends to make the t- to make the trip. Right. They're not going to be in different cities like 300 plus days a year. That was a big thing with like when when Edge was going for the title in WWE. And and, and people were and Vinny's like, are you going to hold him to the same? You damn right I am. And then Edge came out and said, straight up, if I'm going for this title, I'm going to be there every week. I'm gonna if I'm in a, if I'm in a championship uh, position, I'm going to be there every week, and that is why I was 100% for Edge winning the championship. It yeah. didn't happen because stupid finish. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> but, I, but I did. I had to ask that question because I wanted to be sure. And when you said yes, I went okay. He at least he's fair. At least he's fair. I, it doesn't matter how much I like you. It doesn't matter how much I am a fan of somebody. My rules are my fucking rule. Exactly. I stick by them. Now, and I, and I, now there is one other guy I would like to see win the world title eventually. And I'm and I'm mentioning his name now because he's technically in this next segment. Um, earlier today, Tony Schiavone. No, it's not him. Uh, <laughs> and your new AEW World Heavyweight Champion, Tony Schiavone. What? <laughs> huh? So 
Savani interviewed Jay Cargill. No, not her. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, when Matt Hardy, yes, him, uh, approached her and said that Sunday will be the biggest day in the history of the HFO. He wants her to be a part of it, but Mark Sterling walks up and says that she has already agreed to become her client. He says he's going to slap Hardy with a restraining order if he continues to bother her. So, I, I would love to see Matt with the title. Yeah. Okay, Um. and now, here's the deal. Not with this current gimmick. You don't want big money, Matt? I don't. I... I I, I like big big money Matt as a manager. I do not like him as a competitor. So did you see him in TNA though? Because he, he did really well in TNA. I did not because he won him. the world title as Big Money Matt in TNA and it was really good. I understand that and I, I I'm cool, but I just I it's one of those deals where I like this gimmick beautifully as a manager. It fits so well as a manager. Oh, it really does. It I really think, does. I think that uh, he honestly. And a lot of people are going to be like, oh, he's a mark. If he's going to win the title, he needs to be broken. I 100% back that. I, I felt when he was woken, they should have put the world title on him in WWE. I was I was pissed they didn't. But yeah, if he's going to be broken, absolutely. I would totally love it. I, I love the broken gimmick. And I don't then, know why people don't. And then, look, and I'm not saying he should stay broken. I think he should be broken. And then... AEW signs Jeff eventually. Jeff comes in. They run up. They run a thing to bring them both back. They, it was like they have the Willow gimmick for a while. They mix them back and then they come back. Have a Hardy Boy run, and then we have on AEW the Hardys versus the Young Bucks because it, 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 and if we're, if they're going to keep it, it, and then I think eventually the Hardys and the Young Bucks could go. Uh, it could go. It'd be like the final uh, match in a number one contendership title for uh, the tag titles. And then the Hardys win that, and they could win the tag team titles one more time as AEW in AEW. Yeah, if you're going to bring Matt and Jeff, and I've always said this, the only time I want to see Matt, because they always, some reason with Matt Hardy, and this always used to piss me off in WWE, is anytime the Hardys would split up, somehow Matt would end up in another goddamn tag team. It would annoy the crap out of me. Uh, it pissed me off to no end. The only time I would ever want to see Matt Hardy as an AEW tag team champion is with Jeff. 100%. If Jeff's not coming, he don't touch the tag division at all. Unless he wants to manage private party and let them win the goddamn belts. I'm fine with that. I'm with but you. Matt Hardy should never be one half of a tag team title if Jeff ain't there. I completely agree with you. And then, and then you know, then they could, you know, they, they hold the title for a while, drop the belts to somebody to boost them up. Just like we were saying earlier, you win the titles from the fucking Hardys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and the thing is, the Bucks should not be the ones to do it, and I'll tell you why. One, they're already over, and two, the Hardys already put the Bucks over in Ring of Honor. 100% agree with you They there. did that the night before they came back for WrestleMania right, 33. That, they that, jobbed to the Bucks and dropped the Ring of Honor title. And that, and that was a fair thing. That was the right thing to do. They're like, we know we're going to WWE. We're dropping the belts to, to so that you guys can keep doing your thing and we move on to our thing. Yeah. And that was a beautiful move by the yeah. Hardys. And yeah, the only reason, in fact, the only reason they didn't drop the TNA belt before they left was because they didn't let them. They even said, like, look, we know we're not under contract, but we'll still come in to a, on, on TV and we will drop your belts. But they didn't want to risk people under contract getting hurt, even though the Hardys clearly said, we don't give a shit and all you gotta do is pay us for the one day. Yeah. And we'll fucking do the job. And they they were willing to do it. Yeah. But they wouldn't let them because they didn't want to take the risk, lawsuits, or everything else. They they just didn't trust it. So they, that's why the Hardys didn't drop the belts in a match before they left. But they were willing to. Yeah, the Hardys have always been good for business, man. Always. Always. And what I also loved about this segment was with Mark, with Mark Sterling was he said something interesting. And if you, if anybody looking to get, not just to get into the wrestling business, but get into Hollywood in general, like anything, pay close attention to this. He said, he told Matt, he said, the difference between you and me is you take a percentage 
of a, you you give a percentage up front of every uh, up front. I only get paid when she when she gets booked or wins. I'm pro bono everything else. That's a key thing. Is that first of all, your agent should only be getting paid if you're getting work, and then they get a percentage of what they book you for. So if you have like, so that's what I'm saying. Like if you actually, you get, this is a cool setup here. Think about it this way. Eventually, his little tag team that he's got working working under him catches on to this shit. They start falling apart. They turn on that. Matt starts losing all these people that he's that he's managing, right? Yeah. And he breaks. <laughs> brilliant! Oh my god, that's so fucking brilliant! Oh my god, that would be the perfect thing. He just breaks again. Like that'd be great. That is your mental. It's like he, he's like, I'm no longer winning. I'm no longer getting my money. I'm no longer doing anything. I, sh I what do I have left? The mind shatters. Oh, that's great. And Broken Matt makes his return. That would be fucking epic. I love it. Sends him on a singles run, everything, wipes out everybody. Perfect. I love it. And then after that, we move on to that next match of the evening. Um, if we want to call it that. Uh, Jade Cargill with Matt Sterling versus uh, Kylan King. Boring. Legitimately boring. Um, there was nothing about this match I liked. Wow. I mean, I kind of see the point. Like, it, it was basically just Jade Cargill tossing a girl around. The right. It, it, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, you get a monster uh, that you're trying to debut and you want to throw a few nobodies at him to show dominance, that's fine. I'm cool with that. If Jade wants to really show how good she is, she needs to be going against some established people and having good fucking matches with them. This shit, to me, isn't it. Yeah. I mean, Jade, Jade has, like, very rarely gotten in a ring and has rarely showed anything. Like, she's basically been more of a talky, more talk than anything else. And then it's like, after the thing with Shaq, she, she has nowhere to go now. She is it. That was her only thing, and it was boring. I mean, the, the it, it, she's not a bad talker. Let her talk. Let her do her job. But put her in the ring with someone who can hold their fucking own. Yeah. And give us a great fucking match. Yeah. At least, so, or, and if you don't want to give her a, a, a big name, give her something that can work. Because I don't know who Kylan King is, but she looks like she's in developmental. She looks like a student that's learning this shit. She doesn't look like somebody that's established or badass. And if she is, send me some videos of her. I'll look them up if you think she's good. But this is a yeah, this is a no go for us, man. Like this is you know the women's division has has, has some good moments, but in general, it is it, it can really shit the bed when it wants to. And then we cut to the backstage area with Jake and Lance Archer. Dear God. Archer says he doesn't want Dante Martin. He wants Miro because he has nothing. He has done nothing but piss him off. And of course, Jake starts cutting a promo. Lance Archer starts talking, which of course begs the question, if Lance Archer can talk, what the hell is Jake doing there? Look, I think that they're trying to build to a breakaway between these two because Jake is still trying to be a heel and Lance is not. So that's why they're having him talk more. Because they're wanting them to have this breakup. They need to make sure that he can talk before they do this. Before they fully pull the trigger on the separation. Yeah. If this is going to lead to a separation, then I'm for that. But if it's not going to lead to a separation, he needs to shut the fuck up and let your manager talk. Because AEW is a lot more on the slow burn shit, though. They're not rushing anything, for the most part. Uh, yeah. Uh, there is one thing. We'll get to it later. Yeah, exactly. but yeah. for, the, for the most part. Like like with, uh, with the Young Bucks. They didn't just automatically have them join Kenny Omega as a heel. They slow turned into that. Yes, but you know, we all knew it was coming, so knew, it was anticlimactic. Right, we knew it was coming, but that's what I'm saying, though. It's like they always, they build the stuff in a slower way. They don't they don't rush into it as bad as WWE usually does. Yeah. So uh, I, that's what they're doing here. They're taking their time. They're, they, they've got a path. They're just making sure that it's right before they pull the trigger. 
Okay, good, I'm hoping. And then we get to the next, we have the next match for the TNT Championship. The best man, Miro, defends the title against Dante Martin. I mean, Dante has no business in, in any singles championship match. No, he doesn't. At all. How did he even get in this position? I don't know. They just throw, usually they just give like, they just have a I title mean, match it, every it week. Even, it wasn't even an open challenge. Like, if it was an open challenge and he walked out, okay, you're showing you got some balls. I got that. But it wasn't even that. It was a booked match. Yeah, Tony it's, Khan sat down and went, who should we put against Miro? Oh, I know. Uh, let me look at my action figure set. Oh, Dante Martin. Here we go. It's like, and I like Dante Martin. He's a great tag team wrestler, especially for his age. But this was not a position for him. He should not have been in here. All this did would make him look weak and make it look like Miro didn't have any real competition. Yeah, I mean, I mean, technically he does, he does, and he doesn't, because like all the good competitions in high-profile storylines, so they're just feeding people to Miro um, until he has to face Archer, which I think is going to be at Double or Nothing. Uh, so after, I mean, Miro dominated, which was great, kicked ass, took names. This is the Miro we've been wanting to see, and we're starting to see him more and more every week, and he's proving himself worthy of being the TNT champion. Then Jake Roberts and Archer come out. Roberts says Miro's fairy tales come to an end. Roberts tells Miro to shut the fuck up, and they have had enough of him. Miro Miro tells the old fart to shut up, and Miro taunts Archer by telling him to stop letting the old man hold him back. Roberts tells Archer to sick him, Archer attacks, Archer levels Miro with a big boot and then knocks Miro off the apron as a bunch of referees try to hold them back. So, Miro asks for the fight, and probably wish he didn't, because Archer leveled him. That's gotta be awkward, though. When you're like, you when you call out somebody for a fight, and the guy finally goes, alright, you really wanna fight? Go get him. And the guy whoops your ass. <laughs> like, uh, doesn't, really look, doesn't make the champ look good going in, but definitely makes the challenger look badass, so, uh, I don't know how the way they're going with this. <laughs> But that was a very poor, as a, as a as a famous villain would say, very poor choice of words. You don't call out the dude who's better than you unless you got a plan to take him out. You need the plan. And no matter how many times Joker in that movie said he didn't seem like the kind of guy that had a plan, yes, that motherfucker did. Okay, he hired like eight dudes with all very different special specialties to rob this bank, had them each kill a different person in order so they only he ended up with the money. That's a fucking plan. A well thought out, perfectly meticulous fucking plan. Yes, you have a fucking plan. Hey, sorry. Sorry, sorry, I'm a DC rant. No, it's fine. Have you ever seen this show? Uh, have you ever heard of this YouTube channel called Dorkly? Uh, yes. They actually have this thing about like an agent guy. It's like, and it says like, if Joker had an agent, and he literally says that exact same thing. He's like, he's like, he's like, don't you look like someone with a plan? He goes, you have a meticulous plan for everything. You have contingencies for everything. It's like, literally, like, everything to do it. They like, didn't do what you wanted to do. You had a backup detonator. <laughs> it's like, literally, what the hell? You, all you do is plan. But yeah, so, but Miro, he's definitely not a guy with a plan. Anyway, um, uh, Miro had one plan. Yeah. Get the title. Yeah. It's End like, of plan. It's like, step one, get the title. Step two, bask in title. Step three, <laughs> profit. <laughs> so, that was it. That was it. Tony Schiavone, next we cut to Tony Schiavone. He brings Hikaru Shida out to the ring as they honor her by making her the, by her being the women's champion for more than a year. She's basically had the longest reign of any champion in AEW, including Moxley. Uh, Shivani, uh presents Sheeta with the new women's championship belt 
which thankfully is much better and has a gold centerpiece. So we thought that was a special belt for her. Turns out that's the new design oh, for the women's championship. Right. Oh, oh, I, I caught on to that during the show. Yeah. Uh, originally, we thought it was a special. Uh, when we first saw it, it, we didn't notice the differences immediately. We thought it was like, that kind of looks like the same belt. And then they brought it in. And it was like, oh, that's flatter. It's only got it's only got two of the side plates. It's yeah. It's uh, it's got more contrast between the white and the yellow gold. It's got the diamonds in it. It actually is a better looking belt. Yeah. Uh, and um, I'm very happy with the new belt and. Yeah, it, 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 it's... I, I think that Sheeta was the right person to get it because she's been in there for a year and it was time for a better belt because you know that was the first belt. It's like, we got a design for the women's championship. Okay, this works. That's <laughs> yeah. basically what happened. Yeah. And, and then they, they, they... And then over time, designed a new one that went on a champion that was worthy of going on. Yes. And... I think that this is the right time to do that, and I still think, and I'm sorry to anyone who's a big Sheeta fan, because I like Sheeta. I do too. But it is time for her to drop the belt, and I think Britt Baker should take it, and I, it was a good thing that they put the new belt on Sheeta first. Yes. Now, Sheeta says that she won the title when there were no fans to enjoy it with her, but now they are back. Sheeta says she is so proud to share this moment with the fans because it's for them. Britt Baker interrupts her and says she comes in peace. Baker says that no one can take the year that Sheeta had away from her. And Baker said something a while back she wants to take back. She says that she said that she was the face of the women's division. But when she wins the title, she will be the face of a new era. So the era before her was all about 316. This era will be all about DMD. I hated Britt Baker six months ago. We all did. I couldn't stand her. She couldn't talk. She... Barely put on a halfway decent match. And now, as far as I'm concerned, best woman in AEW's division. Whoa. That's a that's a good that's a bold statement, bro. Uh she's she learned how to talk. She, she did. Uh I mean and her matches, she's there's a lot more psychology in it now. Uh I like I I've I've liked her finisher. That was the one good thing I had about her. I I've always liked her finisher. You know, it was the cool butterfly with the, the you got the butterfly lock and then with, with the fucking mandible claw. I always I thought that was just a really cool combination. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I've always liked that, and you know, between that and the match quality has just gone through the roof. Her uh, her mic skills. She's the total package. And I think if anyone's going to take the belt from Sheeta, it has to be her. Yes, it has to happen because Britt has shown that she can. She can, she's now worthy of that title. Now she wasn't a year ago. She wasn't at all. Her heel turn was unexpected and stupid. She didn't look. She didn't look comfortable doing it. But now she is like you would have thought she was a heel her whole career. The way she's doing this now, it's phenomenal. I like the way she's presenting herself. I like the way she's being badass. She wants to define a new era. She wants to do all this other stuff. And like we said, Sheeta got awarded the new design of the belt. But I think Britt's gonna be the one to carry that title for the next unforeseen future until you find somebody that's worthy to take it from her. But outside of the women's division, there's not a lot of women on there that are worthy of that belt. Britt Baker's pretty much it right now until they build somebody else that can take the mantle. So I want her to before that. And also, what I also love about her finisher, I love the fact it's called the Lockjaw. Yeah. It's, I like the name of it, but I also like that before she puts it on, she goes over to Reba, or Rebel, whatever the fuck. <laughs> it says Rebel, not Reba, Rebel. And she gets a, a glove for when she puts it in like a dentist would. Right. Like the dentist puts on a glove before she sticks his fingers in your mouth. So I love that. The presentation, the psychology, the storytelling. Britt Baker, like you said, she's a total package. Everything I want in a wrestler, she's got. So I am ready for her to take that title. And this is coming from a guy who likes Sheeta, despite the fact that Japanese wrestling and rest, Japanese wrestling in general are not my cup of tea. Uh, look, but she doesn't accept it. It's a funny thing because 
As much as I like the flying and the and I like the big stunts in pro wrestling, I'm with you. Japanese wrestling, there's no to me, there's no psychology in it. Uh, None. You're, you're sitting there, it's like I, I got to an argument with somebody on on one of those stupid Facebook groups, and I realized that I cannot be in wrestling uh, I can't, groups I can't, on Facebook. I can't either. Uh, because I just promote the show on there, and that's it. Be, uh, I, I I can't. I just can't do it anymore. Uh, and the reasons being is like, look, I was trying to be nice. I was like, look, I enjoyed the stunt. If I'm looking for a uh, if I'm looking for some cool spots where I can just watch. It, I'll watch a Japanese wrestling event because they're on occasion they're cool, okay? But there's no psychology. I couldn't get into it on a week to week basis because there's no. It's like somebody tries to. I said there's no in ring storytelling. In ring storytelling. That's what I said. And somebody, the, the, the story here was that he he's never been able to beat him, and they're like that's out of ring stuff. And it's a great story. That is a great thing to go by. That builds a great match. But that's out of ring stuff. You need to tell me a story in the ring from bell to bell. Yes. And they don't. They just hit everybody with every big move that they've ever seen done. There's there's no such thing as this move is sacred in Japanese wrestling. Everybody yeah. does every fucking move. Yeah. It's like, it takes away the meaning. It's like, somebody somebody had the gall to tell me. And I said, I, my, my exact words were, nobody sells in Japanese wrestling. You hit big move after big move and somebody eventually takes a pinfall. That's it. And somebody tried to tell me, jobbing is for the loser. Is for the, it's like, jobbing is for losers. It's like, uh, I don't know what it was. It was uh, selling is for jobbers, is what they told me. What? I'm like, no. Selling makes it realistic. You need something to tell a fucking story. You, you sell the move. I'm not saying that you need to make yourself look like you're affected by goddamn everything. But make it look like you felt it. Because if you don't, then there's no storytelling. Then unless, you're a circus act. Yeah, unless you have a character that's designed to not feel anything. The Fiend like, is a prime example. Like a Fiend, or Kane, or yeah. in some cases Hogan when he hooks up. Well, like, here, oh, the thing there's is, a, an explanation. And even they will take moves to stay down for a moment. Yes! And like the Fiend, you take a big-ass move, his thing is he always gets back up. But he'll take that big move, and he'll lay there for a few seconds, and you're like, Okay! He's down, and then and then all of a sudden he'll pop up like it was nothing. He, he doesn't do after selling. He'll sell the move, but he doesn't do the after selling. Hell, even the Undertaker would stay for a while and then sit back up. Right. You looked forward to it, like you're one like, is he gonna sit up? Is he gonna sit up? Oh, he did it! Right. Like, you know, it was. It was the, but these specific characters, it's like even they had their limits. In Japanese wrestlers, they don't. They don't. That and that's the thing. And Japanese wrestling never used to be that way. It used to have storytelling and psychology and in the old times, like back when you would see like you know. Like when Flair would go to Japan or Hogan would go to Japan or Sting or the Road Warriors, like they had the psychology and the storytelling and all that. And somehow it turned a corner and just became the crazy shit it is today. I think a big part of it is they wanted to set themselves so different from America and they needed to be like Japan has always been ahead of us in technology. It's always been ahead of us in a lot of ways. Right? And I think that they felt like they needed to be more exciting, more more everything when it came to pro wrestling as well. And that's they pushed the envelope and they pushed it too far. Yeah. And, and that's it, coming from someone who enjoys the high flying, who enjoys the spots, who enjoys that stuff. Yeah, I know. And uh, <laughs> people all the time are like, talking about, like, but you, you, just, you just like all the spot monkey shit. I do enjoy the spot monkey shit. But I also believe in psychology. You need the psychology mixed in with it. I like a combination of the slower American pace with the Japanese pace. And that's why I like AEW, because it combines the two. Yeah, when they got people doing it right. Not everybody does, though. But it's even then they're not anywhere near as bad as Japanese wrestling. Oh no 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 no! The problem is they allow some of those Japanese guys to come in there and don't teach them any better. They just let them run free. Like 
That's part of the reason. That's another reason why nobody really likes Kenny. He brings all the Japanese people. He's the one bringing all the Japanese people in here that don't know how to work and just know how to do strong it's style. Not, it's not even no a matter. Of, bullshit. And it's not even a matter of saying, "Oh, you can't do this shit." It's a matter of you got to come. If you're gonna come here, great, but you have to learn the new style. It's not that bad. It's not hard to do. It's like there's a reason WWE puts you in, even even experienced guys in NXT in developmental. It's not that because they don't think you can do your job. It's because you need to learn their style. Yes, and that's why they do it. And here's the best part. A lot of the guys that go down there that were, you know, everybody thought was good over there, they get this NXT style and it makes them better. Adam Cole is 20 times better now than he ever was in Japan or Ring of Honor. Like, Adam Cole was good. NXT made him better. Like, the, all the Undisputed Era guys are a billion times better now than they ever were on the indies. Why? Because they came in and Triple H even said it. What do, you, what do you love most about the Undisputed Era? His exact words were, they're coachable. They're willing to learn. They are willing to take the advice that I give them or Dusty would give them when he was still alive. Yeah, you can't sit there and, and be like, oh... I've never done it this way. Why would I do? Why would I change things up? I've got a fan base now because your the way you did things worked in Japan. It won't work here. Yeah, it's like it's not. We're not. We're not insulting you. We're not saying you suck. We wouldn't have brought you in if we thought you sucked. We brought, but we if we need you to work the way we work. That's how the system works. Yeah, and and the people who learn become better because of it. And then we move on to the main event of the evening. Still can't believe this was a main event match, but I'll take it. Uh, Scorpio Sky and All Ego Ethan Page. Nothing wrong with them. Versus the Dark Order, Stu Grayson and Evil Uno. I feel like that was not the... If you're going to have the Dark Order in a tag team match in the main event... You need John Silver and what's the other dude that is always with Silver? Uh, Alex Silver or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You need, you need, you need those two. Why? Because those two are already over as a tag team. They're set. Not, it's not just about the faction. Evil Uno can easily be in the main event one on one. Yeah, but in a tag team, it doesn't so much make sense. Well, technically, him and Stu Grayson were an established tag team in the Dark Order. They were in the ranking system and everything. Right, but they haven't been doing anything with that in a while. True. And That's right true. now, he is much more established as a single star. Yeah, and I think he should be, because now with, uh, sadly, Brody Lee no longer with us, he's got to take the mantle as the leader of the team yeah. now. Somebody is like somebody has to take over as leader. I mean, John Silver's a good hype man, but he's not the front man. No, he's not. No, he is not. No matter how much Elvis worships the ground he walks oh, on. Oh, he's entertaining as fuck. Oh, he, Elvis, Elvis, that's why Elvis loves him, because he is entertaining. He's great in the ring, but... He's just, he doesn't have the look, he doesn't have the attitude of a leader. He's yeah. a hype man, and he's a damn good hype man. Yeah, uh, especially now that he doesn't say pizza boy anymore, because I would have kicked him in the nuts if he kept doing that. Oh, poor baby, you're almost stealing your gimmick. Yo, yeah, you don't steal my gimmick. <laughs> pizza, that's mine. You can say you can say mustard boy, skittle boy, whatever the fuck. Pizza is mine. Nuts. I was so fucking mad when he did that on Being the Elite. I saw, he went, pizza boy. I'm like, fuck this. Fuck this motherfucker. I almost I almost wrote on YouTube, fuck this motherfucker. I damn near lost my mind. But then a week later, he started saying mustard boy, and I went, today you live. <laughs> but I fucking snapped. I snapped when he did that shit. I was so goddamn mad. I am like, no. I And I, I have proof that I did that first. <laughs> fuck that. AEW came around in 2019. I was saying that shit in 2015. Pizza baby is fine. So anyway, so anyway, uh, now I got that out of my system. 
Now that I got that out of my system, uh, I will say Tati match was good. It was a good match. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I mean, not something. It's not something to hang a hat on, but it's good. It was. A, it was a good match. And let's be honest. Even though it was the main event, they were never going to close the paper. They weren't never going to close the show on that. They yeah. had. They were going to close the show on the. Uh, on the. Uh, uh, the inner circle. Inner circle. At the minute. So I mean, it, it was one of those. Yes, it was technically the main event, but it was filler for the inner circle. Yeah. So it did what it needed to do. It gave. It gave Sky and Paige a win, going to look good going into the pay per view, and then Paige says, "What just happened to Dark or- the Dark Order?" will happen again this Sunday, but then Sting's music interrupts him, and Alan walks out of the tunnel with an army of Stings behind him. Sky tosses around a bunch of the Stings, but then one doesn't budge, and he takes the Sting mask off to reveal it's the real Sting, and Alan and Paige retreat through the crowd. Who's in that Sting mask? It's Sting! (laughs) Which is perfect, because Sting has done that before. In WCW. Multiple times. Yeah. He did it in WCW. He did it in WWE. I'm pretty sure he did it in TNA. I I, I don't remember if he did it in TNA. I'm pretty sure he did it in TNA. He probably did. I just don't remember it. But I, 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 it's, it's got to that point where that's, that's one of his bits. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you can usually tell. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you couldn't tell when it was Sting. I could somewhat tell because of the hairstyle. Yeah. I, 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 was, I, I was watching all of the hairstyles. I'm like, which one is it? No, that guy's got white hair. That, no, that, that guy's got, like, no hair. That guy's got long hair. No, that ain't it. Uh. <laughs> that was him. That was kind of him. I kind of figured it. But but back in the day, you couldn't. Because Sting, Sting had the long hair. Mm-hmm. You couldn't tell. Because they had people that would get the right kind of wigs and stuff. So he would come down. It would be like this fake Sting. All of a sudden, he'd take the real one off. And he'd be sitting in the crowd. And <laughs> yeah. Like, it was genius. Like, so it was a great bit. Threw him out. And then made him look good. So it, it set up the pay-per-view for this Sunday. And next, we got WWE Hall of Famer Eric Bischoff comes out to host the celebration of the inner circle and we get to hear the live crowd legit sing their theme song for the first time in a year uh jericho thanks bischoff for everything he's done for him in his career and then bischoff plays a video package highlighting the history of the inner circle and of course you know jericho saying they may have bygones be bygones with bischoff and then santana says wow we've done some pretty cool shit boys santana says they put AEW on their backs and carried it through a pandemic and then gets hyped as hell as he talks about the fans being back he says that this is the last time they're together then he wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way than with his brothers in front of all the AW fans. Hagar says that he believes it's about the journey of the destination and says the hard times they've gone through have made hard men. Guevara says when he came into AEW, he was wearing a panda head, and now he is in the greatest faction in all of wrestling. He says when he quit the group and he didn't have them backing him, he didn't like it at all, and he will do everything in his power to make sure that doesn't happen again. Jericho says he, he was hesitant about putting together a faction of his own, but then he met these guys and it just felt right. He said they didn't give a damn about anyone or anything other than their group, and that hasn't changed. He says Stadium Stampede will be a war, and if they go down, they will go down in a blaze of glory. Jericho tells the other guys he loves them, and they hug. MJF appears on the screen with Wardlow, and they have Dean Malenko tied to a goalpost in the Jaguar Stadium. The Inner Circle takes off towards the stadium, but the Pinnacle blindsides them. FTR double pile drives Santana and Ortiz through a pair of tables. I mean, this is a much better ending than that tag match was, man. Yes. <laughs> uh, Definitely. This is exactly what it needed to be. It um, it just shows the aggression between these two tag teams going before this main event. Um, here's the thing about this main event, though. Uh, the, 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 these two tag teams, uh, these two factions are going to have to go against each other. One of two things is going to happen. One, the inner circle is going to break up, which nobody wants. Don't get me wrong, there are some good things that would come of it. Sammy Guevara needs a fucking title run. He needs to go sing. I would love to see him as his singles competitor. But he can do that in the inner circle. It's like, if once they get this faction versus faction shit out of the way, they could push him that way. You know, uh, Hagar kind of needs to do his own thing instead of being the bodyguard. 
You know, so there are some advantages to this potentially going that way, but I, I just don't, I, I, I feel like the inner circle isn't done yet. Like, I still feel like now that they're a face team, there's so much more that can be done other than just take on one other, one, you know, one team. I think the fact that they just went face, it's too damn soon to break them up. Well, here's the thing, and this, and this goes back to something you said before about AEW about how they're very much on the slow burn. I think we can both agree this is the major exception to the rule of slow burning. Because they ain't a damn thing been slow burned about the pinnacle in the inner circle. Like, literally, it's been hot shot, hot shot, hot shot. And what really... The the turn of from MJF and Jericho, they burned... That was a slow burn. That was a slow burn. They did it right. And and because it's like, every week you're saying, is it going to happen this week? No. Is it going to happen this week? We knew it was coming. We, We talked about MJF taking over the inner circle and he tried for a second there and looked like and then he turned it around and they swerved us by him having his own faction that was beautiful it was very that beautiful. was a thing of fucking art man it was um so they uh that setup was there so if they instantly end the inner circle abruptly like this it would be another swerve and there were like i said there's some good things that would come of it um you know jericho could take a little bit of time off and go do some stuff with fozzy because I, I think he's coming out with a new album or something if uh, they haven't already i know i know, I know, I know they came the out way. with a new song yeah a new song dropped yeah. Um, so, so maybe he's gonna go make a quick run with Fozzie, and he'll come back. Uh, you know, which would be cool. It'd be, he, 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 he's earned that spot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I mean, there's a lot of good things that could potentially come from the inner circle breaking up, but just happening so abruptly is gonna be like, oh fuck. But here's the thing, though, is that MJF swerves with this faction. That long ass story was perfectly told. Now they have the pinnacle. They pretty much take over the inner circle's they fill locker a spot. They, they fill a spot. They pretty much they take over the inner circle's locker room. Within a week, they take the locker room back. Then we got a couple of these matches back and forth. And then all of a sudden, and I said this before and I'll say it again, it makes me so freaking mad. They bring back the blood and guts and you put it on May 5th on AEW Dynamite. When you have a pay-per-view, the same goddamn month, you take this epic match and put it on free TV to follow it with the stadium stampede, which I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of this match. And the only reason I even tolerated it last year was because it made sense in a pandemic. Social distancing, you can do spots in different places, you could do pinfalls anywhere. It made sense for the situation we were in because you had to end on. Because you had to end the elite and the inner circle. And we couldn't do it with blood and guts because of pandemic and restrictions and everything. So I got it. I understood it. I let it go. People shit on it, but I let it go. It was a pandemic. Don't need it now. It's real. It's gonna. It's 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 and it's to me. It's like it's like starting. A, it's like watching a porno, and the beginning of the and the beginning of the porno is a money shot, and then the end of the porno is foreplay. No, you have foreplay, and then the money shot. Blood and guts should have been the money shot. That should be where the inner circle disbands. That way, when they throw Jericho off that fucking thing, that could have rolled him off to go be with Fozzie. Instead, he's here with a freaking broken arm, and now it's okay. Jericho was gonna fight with one goddamn arm, but the cast came off here, so I guess I, I guess he's got both his arms working now. But oh, I would have I, I kept, kept the fucking cast on and used it as a weapon. Or or kayfabe made it look like, hey, it's not really broken, and then hit the guy with it. Right. Would have been even better. But the point is, they're bre- they're ending it with a stadium stampede. You just have blood and guts, so now that's if they. End it here. This could be a middle. This could be a middle match. 
This could be a one of three. But, okay, well, here's the thing. You got Blood and Guts trying to top it with Spring Stampede, with, with Stadium Stampede. What do you got next? How are you going to top that? I'm putting the challenge out. It, it, it does think it, which means there's a good chance he's going to have something good here. But how would you top that? Five on five, elimination, buried alive. AEW is just crazy enough to do something sh sh something like that. That would have to be it. But that's, of course, saying they <laughs> book that. But yeah. He's sitting here like, you motherfucker. He did it again. He's <laughs> But yeah, you have to do a Buried Alive match like that. Because what else are you going to do? You just had your your crowning match. And again, the pay-per-view is what people are buying. It's like, I look at this company and go, do you want to make money? Like, you, you have the blood. If you're going to do Stadium Stampede, that shit should have been on TV. And the blood and guts should be on Double or Nothing. I mean, here's the thing is, I don't hate the Stadium Stampede, okay? I, I, it's a cool brawl setup. That's what it is. It's designed as a cool brawl setup with an official winner. That's all it is. And, uh, you know, as someone who enjoys a good fucking brawl, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, what, you know what this is? This is the Stone Cold and Booker T grocery shopping segment yeah. in a match form. <laughs> yeah. I just hope that they do it. Now, I know the Inner Circle, I'll give them credit. I liked them in the Stadium Stampede because when they come out, they come out looking like a team. The Elite didn't do that. I'm hoping the Pinnacle oh, will yeah, the, come the out. The Pinnacle is designed to be literally exact mirror image of the Inner Circle. So they should come out together. Yeah. And um, it's one of those deals where... Uh, my only question is, now you can say if because if this is the middle match and we have a final one, okay? If what are, what are the stakes going to be for the third one? Assuming let's assume Inner Circle wins, okay? The Pinnacle doesn't have to break up. That's not in the stipulation. Yeah. But I mean, I don't get it. What 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 comes next? Uh, as far as not 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 the not the match itself, but what is the final? nail in the coffin so to speak well, because uh you know would would pin, would it be winner take all loser leaves yeah it's like no more factions for these two i mean i don't get it um and that would suck because the pinnacle just got together yeah but i don't feel like the pinnacle dude this is a, this is this is a team that has longevity here because it's giving it's giving the spotlight to Sean Spears who fucking needs it because he's not doing well on his own. It allows MJF to establish himself as a true heel. Well, in all fairness, Sean Spears isn't doing well on his own because he fucked up a chair spot on his first goddamn night, and they haven't booked him proper since. Yeah, I mean they called him the chairman. They tried to make something out of it, but they, they but then they just slept on him. So I, that is a moment where creative can be blamed for that because they slept on him, and then they had F, you have FTR who need, who's trying to re, who's trying to regain their dignity back after having to job the Bucks, I, which I'm pretty sure they got handsomely paid for that. Better have been handsomely paid for that shit. And then you got MJF, who, in my opinion, if the Pinnacle wins this, get him in a title picture soon. I agree with that. I would love, I would love to see MJF as the world champion. If there's one guy that's supposed to be the world heavyweight champion, it's MJF. Whether or not he's sending it for it, I don't know. And I will say but, this. If MJF, if the Pinnacle wins here... If the Pinnacle wins here and uh, and you're, it's time to put him in the title picture, that would be the one reason to make Orange Cassidy win this triple threat match. So MJF would take it from Cassidy? MJF would take it from Cassidy. Because let's be straight here. Kenny Omega, it's a heel. Nobody's going to be excited to see a heel. Nobody's going to be, uh, nobody's going to be, uh, uh, is going to be excited uh, in the, uh, to see a heel take it from a heel. That's not something entertaining to them. I mean, right? some, some, uh, some no, so, uh, unless you're one of those fans that doesn't believe in heels and faces anymore, and you just want to be I one mean, of those guys that's like, oh, I just want to see a match, they'll love it, but. I mean, I do enjoy seeing a match, and they, uh, it would be a great fucking match, but that's not the point. Exactly. Heel uh, versus heel, it's hard right. to pull off. I, I enjoy a good heel versus heel match on occasion. 
Yeah. Okay. It's like like if you have two competing factions, they're both heel factions, but they want that top spot. I can deal with the heel versus heel for the right with the right story, the right backing. It can work. But in this particular, but for a world title, something like this, not so much. Not usually. That's a, a face versus face is easier to do that with. Uh, because then you get the matter of respect and shit in there with it. And people on the heels, they don't give a fuck about respect. Exactly. They claim that they want respect. No, they want fear. That's what they want. Exactly. Uh, but no. Uh, what I want, what I'm saying here is though, Orange Cassidy as such a loved face because no matter how much you you hate him, most of the fucking fan base loves him. Yeah, and now okay? that there's fans back in the stands, right. it increases his chances. Right. So he. He wins this title in a triple threat fashion, right? And everybody's such it's such a high fucking stakes situation here. They're like, Orange Cassidy's champion! Orange Cassidy's champion! He holds the belt for all of a month. And then MJF stomps all over that with the faction with the pinnacle behind him. And then you have MJF get the heel heat from taking the belt so quickly from Orange Cassidy with all the promos that he would cut on Cassidy leading up to it. And you have the best fucking champion this company's seen so far. Yeah, because MJF is, like, he's everything he says he is. So, the man is 25 years old and is already one of the best, if not the best in the business today. Right, so that is that would be the reason to give Cassidy the belt. Yeah. And, and like I said, that's coming from someone, I am a Cassidy fan, but he doesn't need the world title right yeah, now. Yeah, and he's, and w- there's so many people on there more deserving than he is. Right, and that's, com- like I said, once again, that's coming from somebody who truly loves Orange Cassidy. I, I, I look forward to his matches. Yeah. I enjoy them. But I like his character. I, I still find it awesomely entertaining that he's got this very arrogant, I'm so good that I don't need my hands gimmick as a face. It's, to me, that is a work of art in itself. And he actually does some cool technical shit with his hands in his pocket. And that's really hard to do. That's very hard to fucking do. So, uh, the man is talented beyond talent, okay? Um, and, when, and when he does decide to cut a real promo... It's pretty good at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the man. But right now is not the time, unless it's to drop the belt to MJF, now is not the time to put the belt on Cassidy. Exactly. And uh, so we'll find out this Sunday. And, of course, uh, it'll be uh, AW Double or Nothing. We will have the recap for you guys. So make sure you guys check that out. And that'll conclude this uh, recap of AEW. Desmond, as always, I thank you for taking time and your busy schedule to uh, join me on the show. And real quick, uh, where can people find you? As always, you can find me at www.facebook.com slash Desmond Dagenhart. That is D-E-S-M-O-N-D-D-A-G-E-N-H-A-R-T. Desmond Dagenhart. I'm the only Desmond Dagenhart in the goddamn motherfucking world. Okay? <laughs> I've got a French first name, a German last name. Figure that shit out. (laughs) We're still trying to. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, make sure you guys follow us. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. Pick your favorite hosting site, follow us there. Or if you want to follow us on all four, feel free to do so. We greatly appreciate it. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash TheBoochCast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. We're posting there all the time. In fact, speaking of Desmond's music, Desmond did a concert recently or did a video recently playing music that we shared to the BoochCast page. So if you scroll down a little bit, you'll be able to find it. It was just a little live video. It was my first time doing any kind of real performance in a long time, so it's a little rough. I even said it several times in there. Look, I've been a little rough man i haven't been practicing like i should all right uh, 
but I am getting back into the swing of things. I am actually, uh, by the time this is up, it up some past. There's gonna be another one up soon. Yeah. Um. I'm, so I'm recording some shit. Um. I'm gonna be um doing some more stuff. My sister's been, I, and I keep saying it, man. If you want to see me do some live videos, fucking comment, motherfucker, go live. Send me a message. I am not above answering my messages, man. <laughs> um, no, he's not. And uh, also, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Uh, also, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we got great YouTube channel content up there. In fact, uh, Desmond will love this. The D&D one shot we did at WrestleMania is up there. Nice. People check out. Night one of WrestleMania is up there, too. And yeah, that, that, what's interesting about that is that was a that was a throw-together thing. I didn't plan that. Uh, I brought my shit because I brought my shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so that's why you didn't see him on camera during night one. He was in the corner putting together a one-shot. Apparently, when I was on camera, people were like, why is he fucking reading? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> WrestleMania sucked. No, it wasn't that WrestleMania sucked. I enjoyed the hell out of it. No, night one was great. Night yeah. two's an abomination, but night yeah. one was great. I enjoyed. I enjoyed the hell out of it, but I was having fun with it. But I, I was like, I'm sitting here. But I talked. To, I talked to Elvis, and he's like, Man, I, I'm itching to have. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm Jonesing for some D and D, man. It really was. And, uh, <laughs> uh, so I uh, so I threw together a quick one shot, and it turned out pretty good. I, I was happy with. it. Yeah, we got some good. We got. We got. You'll find out all about it when you check it out. But also make sure you check out our show, Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring. The episodes are up there. Pr coming soon. We do have. Have um, the Brian Pillman videos we'll be doing. Myself, Desmond, Elvis will be doing that. Also, we've got the one with Nick Gage coming soon. That'll feature me and Zach. Uh, Gator was not able to join us for that. Uh, we also have the Ultimate Warrior. We'll be doing that one soon because Ultimate Warrior recently came out, so we got to make that video as well. And of course, the Smith family that'll feature myself, Desmond, and Zach. We'll be recording that at a later date. So we're gonna have some good episodes of Dark Side of the Ring coming soon. We just gotta film the videos. Once we do, they're gonna be coming out. So make sure you guys stay tuned. Hit the subscribe button. Rate that bell to be notified for when those videos drop. Also, follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we have our live wrestling watch parties. Uh, Saturday, August 21st, I now discovered. Because recently, uh, apparently, was, I thought it was the 22nd. Turns out it's 21st. will be our next one for WWE SummerSlam. Apparently, it's on a Saturday now. That was a Sunday. I, mean, I think they're airing it on a Saturday. So, well, one of those two days, 21st, 22nd, we're going to have the next wrestling watch party. We'll be there. So, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Also, make sure you guys uh, check out uh, the... D&D show that'll be coming soon. We got, we're got we going to be doing a live show on there as well. We got a big campaign coming, um, but we do have a surprise for that campaign, but we can't reveal it yet. It's on the DL, but you'll love it when you hear it. Also, <laughs> Desmond's laughing because he knows exactly what it is. Oh, I am excited. Oh, yeah, we got, we are excited for that, but it's coming soon. John's already promised it's coming. He's got to get his shit set up in his house, and we'll be ready to go. So, also, you can check out anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support to become a support supporter of the Boochcast. This is the new thing we're doing here. Uh, Patreon was kind of meh, so we're going to this new direction here. We can become a supporter of the show by going to Anchor, and you can contribute a monthly contribution to the Boochcast, and there's three different levels. There's one where it, you can purchase one for 99 cents a month. You can support the show. There's another tier for 4.99 a month, which is basically the same as getting a Peacock subscription, or you can join us for a year 9.99 a month. That's right. For a mere $9.99, you can support the Boochcast. Now, we're going to be coming up with different rewards for each tier very soon. But for now, that's where you can go. So you have the option of $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99 by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. So it is 
Very, very affordable to check this out. So if you guys were one of those guys paying $9.99 a month for a WWE Network subscription and you're done with the network, bring that over here. We're just as entertaining. If you don't want to get a Peacock subscription, you want to tell Peacock to fuck off, bring that money over here. Show Peacock where, where the action is. And 99 cents. If you, um, if you got homeless people harassing you, uh, don't give them a dollar. Give us a dollar. At least we're giving you content in return. So... Pick the one you want, and you can pay with a credit card, or if you have GPay, you can use GPay as well by going to anchor.fm slash slash support to become a supporter of the Booch cast. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! <laughs> Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. At ease. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.